For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It is bye-bye to the bye week as we bring you this newest edition of the Believe in Titans podcast, uh, your weekly look at all things Tennessee Titans. This week, uh, a healthier, well-rested bunch after uh, after having watched most of the rest of the league play in week six. And Titans come out of it still alone in first place in the AFC South with that uh, – with that three and two record. So with former Titans cornerback, Denard Walker, Denard, how are you? I'm doing great, David. How are you doing this evening? Doing good. Thank you. And yeah. uh, John Glennon of uh, all Titans at SI.com. John, how are you? I am well. Hope you guys are good. Doing good. And I, of course, am David Beauclair, also of all Titans at SI.com. And, uh, and before we get going, let, let's remind you that the uh, Believe in Titans podcast is uh, is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. And gentlemen, where we will start is uh, the Titans, as we mentioned, well-rested, having having come off their open date here. And they, uh, under Mike Rabel, John Glennon, you wrote about this, Titans are, uh, are a pretty salty team coming, uh, coming off the break. Uh, give, us, give us the rundown and, and what do you think it means? What, what's the source of this uh, success? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I mean, I I would say you know probably every team would say they're they're better. Uh, you know, coming off a, l- a little bit of a break, a, a little bit of a uh, 
recharge the batteries time. But when you look at what the Titans under Mike Vrabel have done, it, you know, it, it really, it, it's a step above, I think, just a little bit better. Um, eight and O in games where they have had at least nine days of rest uh, between games. So that's, you know, Thursday night to the, to the, to the following Sunday, or that's after a bye week, or in one instance, it was the COVID situation where they had to wait a long time to play Buffalo. Um, but if you if you look at it even closer, I think um, than simply the eight and O mark in those games, it's the margin uh, of victory which really struck me. Uh, average score in those games is Titans thirty and their opponents eleven. Um, obviously a pretty significant margin there. So I, I think there, there's certainly something going on, you know, a couple of Titans today talked about how, how Mike Brabel, uh, you know, is very good about emphasizing our, that's it. Break is done back, back to business. We got to get attention to detail. Uh, and, and a couple other guys talked about that the energy that the players tend to bring back in that first Monday practice. And that, that went, that included this week as well, that they, uh, you know, they had one of the best practices of the year in their words. Uh, so those are some of the reasons, but, you know, uh, you start to look at some of those numbers, like I said, the big margin of victory. And then you look at other stats, like, like, you know, the Titans are so good in the one score games under Mike Vrabel as well. You start putting a lot of those numbers together and you say, there's, there's certainly something to what Mike Vrabel has been doing with the Titans um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's more than just, uh, th- than what the numbers are saying here. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Vrabel himself was, was reluctant to sort of explain that success, but he mentioned too the Monday practice and said, if that was any indication that, that this team came back ready to go that, uh, uh, you know, so, so maybe, maybe there is something there and I'll ask you, Denard, when you played, you come off a bye week, was it, was it hard to get back into it? Were guys typically up and ready to go that first practice? What What is your recollection of what uh, what it's like coming coming back in there? Do, do more teams sort of try and ease into it with an extra day or so of practice? That no, week? no, not at all, not <laughs> at all, David. Uh, you, you're 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 fired up, you're excited, but I wanted to piggyback uh, a little bit on John a little bit. What was impressive? I was reading this earlier, and it says that. Uh, that, that the Titans have outscored their opponents 237 to 87 in those contests. And it's only been one time. What was that Baltimore in 2020 where they were able to score a touchdown? Was it 30, 24? Now that's what's exciting to me is that it's like they're, they're pounding teams when they come back from those buys. So again, this is a, an amazing stat. And, and, and David, just to answer your question, you know, when I came back from a buy, I was excited to go. I mean, I, I just enjoyed getting back and, and just taking that mental break. And, and that's when teams typically, when they come off, when they come out of a buy, you see them playing well. They're, they're excited. They're, they're a little bit rested. And, and for the Titans, uh, it was a well-deserved rest. The only thing I didn't like is the fact that they're starting to play. They were playing great before the buy. So it's like, okay, I wanted to see them keep going on. But again, I think this, this is going to be amazing second part of the season. I'm just excited about it. And you wonder how much, you know, self-scouting has to do with it. I mean, coaches get a break too, but they don't get, 
at least not these days, they don't get the same length of a, a break that the players do. They're they're in there some for a couple of days. They're doing self-scouting, trying to trying to make sure they're not too locked into tendencies or or trying to identify tendencies that that they think the opponent will recognize and and maybe they can play off that. And that, that's another thing that you have to wonder about, Mike Vrabel and this staff. Uh, you know how how well they take advantage of that time in that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's, uh, but, but I agree with you, John. I mean, eight and oh is, I mean, at this point, it's not a coincidence, uh, you know, right. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a bona fide trend and you, you know, you can't, uh, I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can ignore that. Coming up though, is, uh, is a team that they don't need in a lot of extra time, to prepare for that being of course the Indianapolis Colts who they face twice a year every year or have at least since 2002 when the AFC South was uh was was created they, these teams played just a couple of weeks ago the Titans won that one in a uh in a in a close contest uh you know another one of those games where it looked like the Titans were going to handle their business early it didn't didn't go that way but all of a sudden, based on what we saw Sunday, maybe these are not the same Indianapolis Colts that the uh, that, that the Titans have have grown to to know and and be able to beat here in recent years. Uh, with Jonathan Taylor injured, they they turned Matt Ryan loose to to throw it all over the lot Sunday. Uh, so, John, I'll come back to you. Should we expect more of the same from from the Colts? Uh, you know, how how big a challenge is this for the the Titans and the coaching staff that that maybe they you know they they should expect something different here? Yeah, all of a sudden it's turned into uh, in, into let Matt Ryan cook right uh, for <laughs> for for the Colts here. Um, and and frankly, you know that. I, I think is probably a little bit more, more scary you know, based on what we mean here um, than, you know, Jonathan Taylor uh, attack. You know, we, we saw the Titans absolutely throttle uh, Jonathan Taylor in that, in that first matchup, you know, one of Jonathan Taylor's worst games. I think it wound up being with 20 carries for, for 42 yards. And Jonathan Taylor has been missing the last couple of games uh and and more and more we've seen you know Matt Ryan seems to be getting more and more comfortable uh and he seems to be getting more in touch with uh you know some of those younger receivers that the Colts have who are a pretty dangerous group uh even if they're not the most experienced guys and you look at last week what Matt Ryan did 42 for 58 389 yards three touchdowns um, and maybe another number that, that really stands out in that is zero sacks. You know, that, that's been a real problem for, for Matt Ryan and for the Colts up until that game. You know, we saw the Titans, uh, you know, really uh, wreak havoc on Matt Ryan and three sacks. So Matt Ryan was getting the ball out quicker than he had in, in any of the games this year. He was more productive. Uh, and, and you look at, at what some of those young receivers did, Michael Pittman, 13 catches, 134 yards, you know, Paris Campbell, 10 catches, 79 yards, even another new little addition running back, Deion Jackson, 10 catches, 79 yards and a touchdown. Um, So this, if you're the Titans, you know, and you say, okay, yeah, we were able to throttle this running game pretty well, bring that on again. But one thing we know uh, what has really hurt the Titans so far is those big passing plays, the big explosive plays 
so I'd be a little bit more nervous right now looking at this edition of the uh, of the Colts, even if it doesn't feature Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, just for the record, I think he was a limited participant in today's practice as he continues to try to recover from, from the ankle injury. But, yeah, it's a, it's a different group. And, and uh, honestly, personnel-wise, matchup-wise, I, I think this version of the Colts might be a little bit more dangerous to the Titans than – than uh, the the Jonathan Taylor based attack that we saw earlier. Yeah, and, and today being Wednesday, when uh, when we are recording this this week, the the practice week is underway. And, and you reference you reference the big plays. Certainly, we have we have talked about that plenty here uh, on this podcast. And, and coming out of the bye week, things are as bad as they've ever been statistically speaking. The Titans are are last in pass defense with an average of. 287.6 yards per game allowed and their uh, their last in average yards per attempt at 7.9 and 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 at this point now they've given up at least one reception of 30 yards or more in every game and coming off a season high four of them allowed uh, at Washington so it, it's uh it, it that that sort of thing is trending in the wrong direction but if you want to if you want to flip that around and, and look at uh, the positive side of this the the Colts defense is is giving up a ton of big plays and oh by the way it's in the run game they have uh, they have given up 10 runs of 15 yards or more and, and three of their four longest runs against them were this past Sunday by Jacksonville, 61, 48 and, and 37 yards. It's a, uh, it, it's an, it's an interesting sort of development uh, for this team because they are actually in the top 10 in the NFL in, in yards per carried allowed at, at 4.1. But you know, Derrick Henry had a, a 19 and an 18 yard run against them in the first uh, first meeting between these two teams. It was the first time this season we saw uh, we saw Derrick start to to crank it up a little bit more. So, uh, you know, th- this could be a uh, this could be a battle of the big plays in terms of the the Colts passing game and the uh, the, the Titans run game. And, and back to the Titans pass game, Denard. I want to ask you this. T- correct me if I'm wrong, but you when you prepare for an opponent, you typically you typically study like four game stretches, right? The four games leading into, into the one you're about to play when, when there is one that schematically is, is so far sort of off the reservation based on the, what you know and what the others are, how much, how much does that get your attention and how much would that get your attention if you were playing cornerback for the Titans right now? Well, you look at it like this, that's a, a great way of putting it, David. I mean, it's always expect the unexpected. So if you're the tight secondary this week, you know that you're going to get a heavy dose of the passing game from Indy because that is their strong point. Um, when I looked at the game against Denver, Denver looked abysmal against Indy. That It just something is going on in Colorado. I don't know what it is. They just seem to make a play. And it looked like a different Indy team that we saw against Tennessee. So in saying that, if you're Tennessee, it's kind of like, you do you prepare for them like you prepared for the first game when you played them and you beat them, what, 24-17? Because this is a totally different monster that's probably going to attack Tennessee Sunday. So what I would do if preparing for this game is I'm looking at the game when we played Indy uh, two weeks was it two weeks ago it'll be and three, it'll be three, three weeks, weeks ago so i'll look at you know what i'm gonna study that game 
because you still have the same players that are going to be on that field and they're going to decide the out, the uh, outcome of the game. And you still have the same coaches. You can't go and put a thousand things in a playbook or try to in- install uh, something new. What happens is that they're going to have to just, they're going to have to tighten up and play the way that they've been playing. And so what I mean by that is you take you you take what you did well the first game and you continue to build on it. Don't try to uh, change anything up because it's the same two teams. I know they're doing something differently. I know that's the case. But again, just just look at the first game. That's what we used to do when we played division teams. We would study if we played Jacksonville, let's say in week four and it's week eight. We would study Jacksonville. And what we would do is just pick up on little things that they start doing uh, throughout the season. And, and that's what the Tennessee, that's what you got to do. How much, how much do those discussions on the sideline during a game too? Cause there's something's going to come up during the game, right. That, that you didn't prepare for. Like, like how, how important are those discussions on the sideline then saying, Hey, it looks like they're doing this. Let's, let's go ahead and we'll, you know, we maybe didn't rep it much this week, but let's go to this particular call here in that situation. You're always making adjustments. You know, that's a coach's job, you know, Shane Bowen, uh, Todd Downing, that's that's their job is to when they're on the field or if you're in a booth, that's why those coaches are on the booth. And if you see something, they're called tendencies and you feel like, you know what, they're breaking tendencies and then you address that um, on the field. Uh, you're always every play, every series, you're making adjustments in this league and the teams that can make the adjust, you know, they can adjust to certain situations that they haven't seen in the past. Typically, that teams have a, a, a more favorable chance of winning. So again, I'm, if I'm Tennessee, I'm not doing anything different. I'm looking at Moali Cox. I'm looking at their receiving core. I know this is what they want to do. So what you do is just scheme them. Scheme them. If, if, if you struggle playing man-to-man the first game of the season, then maybe you need to play a little bit more zone. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to lose? I just I don't think that you change and deviate your game plan. What you do is just make adjustments along the way. And John Glennon, you pointed it out. You know, Titans got after Matt Ryan pretty good in that game. You you hit him a couple times early, and uh, and they're not going to be as inclined to to want to throw fifty eight passes uh, in this game. I wouldn't think. No, and and it certainly can't hurt either for the, the Titans in that regard. That Bud Dupree uh, was back on the practice field, a full participant today. Another uh, benefit of the of the bye week. Um, you know, so a Titans team that's been pretty good for the most part. In terms of getting after the passer, uh, you know, gets a, gets another lift uh, there as well. Uh, like I said, you know, Matt Ryan literally, you know, from a, from a numbers perspective, uh, you know, w- was getting the ball out quicker uh, than than he had entire season. I think the average was like two point three seven seconds during his fifty eight passes, which is very quick uh, for for any quarterback. Um, but he will have to do that uh, this week because the Colts' offensive line is not a strength. No matter how much they have changed it, it is still not a strength, and, uh, and the Titans will certainly be uh, be gunning for him. And, and Imani Hooker, the, the safety, was a full participant, too, after uh, after having missed the, the last two games with a concussion. And not only was he a full participant, Mike Vrabel said he had completely cleared the uh, concussion protocol. So I think there's every reason to expect that uh, that he will be back there, which, of course, will help the communication and the uh, – the pass defense overall. He did not play in that first game against Indianapolis. That was the first one he missed. So, uh, so that, uh, that is good news for the Titans defense too. The, uh, the week started with a, 
with a transaction, I, I, I don't know if it, is it big news or is it not big news based on what the Titans got out of him, John, that, uh, that, that they, they're done with Josh Gordon, who, you know, signed to the practice squad right before the start of the regular season was a standard elevation, a, a, you know, dressed in two games, but never made it onto the active roster uh, officially. And, and, now he's gone. Is is that a big deal? Is that not not a big deal? How should we look at this? Yeah, you know, I, I think in one respect it's a big deal, be, only because it's Josh Gordon's name, uh, and and unfortunately for Josh Gordon, he earned his name with what he did much more years ago than what he has done in recent years. And, you know, I, I think like with any guy that, that was very talented and was a high pick uh, and had great potential, you know, that, that reputation is, is going to last, you know, is going to give him chance after chance after chance where, where other players, you know, wouldn't necessarily get as many opportunities. And I think, you know, that's what we're kind of seeing in, in Josh Gordon, you know, a number of chances now, the last two, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs, he certainly had, you know, uh, every opportunity in, in training camp this year. You know, there was no Tyreek Hill. Uh, they were they were looking for a threat, uh, you know, and, and, the, and he couldn't find a spot in the Chiefs. He didn't do very much last year when he was playing for the Chiefs. Uh, and, and certainly when you look at the Titans roster this year and you look at the wide receiving core, there is certainly every opportunity, uh, you know, for, for a receiver to to get his chance and to uh you know to, to steal a spot and you know Jess Gordon had had some chances he certainly was around here for long enough he had a couple opportunities in games and and you know we didn't see it uh in in the games and obviously the coaches didn't see it in the practices so from that respect you know it, it to me was not exactly a stunner uh, you know, and, and kind of the um, and sort of the exclamation point was, you know, that the Des Fitzpatrick in the last game, a guy who is, has struggled certainly with the Titans, he's active. Josh Gordon was sitting when Mike Brable was asked about that. He basically said, yeah, Josh had his chance. We're giving somebody else an opportunity. That's kind of when you pretty much knew that was going to be a, a short time situation for Josh Gordon. And, and sure enough, he is uh, he's moved on and you wouldn't be surprised if he gets one more chance. As I said, because of that reputation and what he did years ago, but it just looks like whatever Josh Gordon once had is is no longer there. Denard, what about you? Are you surprised he didn't make any kind of an impact with the Titans? And 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 have you know have we seen the last of Josh Gordon in the NFL now, or do you think he's got another chance? I think so. I think so. I agree with John. I mean, he he was going off of you know the old Josh Gordon. Uh, when he first came into the league, coming out of Baylor, um, came in with a lot of hype. A lot of people thought he was going to be, um, excuse me, a lot of the uh, riders, and I'm sure a lot of coaches thought he was going to be the next Randy Moss. Uh, when he was uh, playing for Cleveland, I thought this guy is going to be special for a long time. And unfortunately, he had a lot of off-the-field problems that derailed his career. Uh, he's an exciting, he's an explosive player, but he's like a lot of us when we play this game or we've sat for a long time, we get older. And unfortunately, when you get older, <laughs> it costs less value. Uh, he was he was a great player for a few years, but unfortunately, I think time is caught up with Josh. And, and I think we should say, you know, in, in reference to his off the field issues over the years, he certainly seemed very comfortable and in a very good place personally and in, in dealing you know 
those of us in the media didn't have a lot of dealings with him, but he was, he just, you know, he gave, he gave the impression that, that he has a good handle on those things right now. So at least, uh, you know, you, you feel, you feel good for him in that way. And uh, hopefully as, as he transitions into whatever comes, uh, comes next for him, you know, he, he does it smoothly. And, and speaking of transitions, Delaney Walker retired on Tuesday as a, uh, as a Tennessee Titan, a 14 year NFL career, seven with the uh, 49ers, seven with the Titans. And and he decided to, to go out as a Titan. Uh, no big surprise there either. I would guess John Glennon, was it? That Delaney Walker decided to step down uh, officially. That, that, no. that, that, that he decided to retire as a Titan. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think certainly, you know, the two teams that he played for, obviously, you know, this was where his potential was realized, you know, and in, in, in San Francisco, he was sort of the, you know, considered the other tight end with, with Vernon Davis, you know, the more the blocking guy. Uh, you know, kind of the the uh, as I say the 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 second man in the in the pecking order, uh, and then he got his chance, and boy did he take advantage of it uh, in in Tennessee, uh, without question, and and just some in, incredible numbers that that he put up uh, over the years, and and you know, I I think too, uh, you know what we need to credit Delaney Walker uh, for, you know, here in Tennessee also is that we we frankly in terms of you know who's the best tight end uh in franchise history and they're very close but but certainly i don't think frank whitecheck ever had to deal with the the depths of bad teams that that delaney walker did uh while while he was here you know he had a uh two one a 14 team a three and a 13 team uh in two of his first three years here and and to me delaney walker was one of those guys who really emerged as a leader you know by by example by what he would say uh, and, and, you know, almost a force of will really, really helped this team, you know, start that, that winning track that it, that's still on now. So to me, if there's one, you know, maybe thing that separates guys like, like Delaney Walker and, and Frank Wycheck, maybe that's it that Frank Wycheck, you know, to me had a better cast around him most of the time, I, I would say, um, whereas Delaney Walker really had to, you know, as I say, almost kind of will this team. He was one of the guys anyway that really willed this team uh, to get better. But great to see Delaney Walker back. What a, what a great guy he was for us to deal with in the in the media and, and happy to see it kind of have a have a good ending here in, in Nashville. Yeah, he, he was asked straight up by somebody, you know, are, are you the best tight end in franchise history? And he said, uh, he said, you know, Frank Wycheck did all kinds of great things for this team too. And, and he said, honestly, he said, I, I, I put myself second to Frank and uh, uh, Denard, you, you know, you played with Frank Wycheck people, you know, people tend to forget it, it's been a while since Frank played. Why don't you, uh, why don't you remind us of, of how great Frank Wycheck was and, and, you know, maybe how, how different he was in terms of doing the job than, than Delaney Walker. It's it, yes, it's the same position, but it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison, is it? No, both are great players. Uh, first of all, uh, salute Delaney Walker. What a class act. Um, I had a chance to watch him uh, in his career. He was a phenomenal player. And But when I think about Frank Wachek, I think about, first of all, I want to thank Norv Turner for, <laughs> for yeah. releasing Frank Wachek out of Washington. 
They got there in 1993 out of Maryland. Uh, Norv Turner tried to put him at fullback. That didn't work. So, again, he got axed. They released him, and then he ended up in Nashville. And I remember getting to Tennessee, and I remember a guy had dropped the ball in minicap, my first minicap, and it was Frank. And people were like, oh, my God, Frank missed the ball. I can't believe it. Frank, and I was like, who is this guy? And then I realized this is the great Frank Wachek. And this organization, they've been in one Super Bowl in, what, 25 years in Nashville. And, David, I owe Frank Wachek my life because if he doesn't make that pass over, he's the one that threw the ball. Then, you know what, I'm probably out of there because I played a terrible game against Buffalo. But Frank was so talented. The versatility that he displayed. I mean, Frank could line up at fullback. He can line up in the slot. He was a great athlete and not to mention he was a great person. He had the best hands I've ever seen in my life. Frank didn't miss a ball and watching him and Mike Rohn, how they played together. Mike Rohn was underrated. He was kind of like the blocker when he would come into the game, but then all of a sudden we call him the silent assassin. He'll hit you just like that. And he had these great hands and so watching those two, it was phenomenal. Frank was one of the best players that I've had a chance to play with. And he was a class act, didn't talk a lot of noise. He, he just, he was a, just everything. He just exemplified, exemplified what class really is. He, he was just true to his word. He was true to his teammates. And uh, to me, he would go down as the goat. He is the goat. I mean, the guy, Frank, just had a phenomenal career. David, I, I, I can sit here all day and talk about him and, and playing with him for four years, it, but it'll take me about three podcasts to get everything, uh, you know, just, just to kind of convey to our audience how great he was. It would take me about three podcasts to get all of this out, and I don't have enough time. Yeah, it's funny in comparison because, uh, you know, the, the Washington tried to play Frank at fullback, decided they couldn't do it. So they were done with him. Part of, part of what kept Delaney in, uh, in San Francisco for so long was that he could play fullback and they did use him in that regard. You know, I mean, he, he wore the number 46. He was actually, I think considered more, a you know, a backfield guy than, than, than an end of the line guy. But, uh, but you know, two, two quick things about Frank Wycheck that, uh, that that I that, that make me laugh. I, you know, I he used to used to, of course, be a, a regular on the morning radio show here in in Nashville, and uh, and there were there were two things that he would he would always find a way to bring up. Uh, one was Frank was pretty good throwing the football too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there, they would they would toss it out there to him, and and he would throw it. And for his career, he was five for six for 148 yards and two touchdowns and and that sounds good and all but but if you do the math that that comes out to a passer rating of 158.3 which if you if you know the passer rating now that is the top that is the highest possible number so frank would frank would say hey look this up he said i think i had a pretty good passer like he would play dumb you know and then you'd uh he'd be oh 158.3 that's pretty good isn't it and you're like frank all right yeah fine but then he also used to poke fun at himself the uh one of one of the one of the more 
famous NFL films clips from Super Bowl 34, which you referenced, is Jeff Fisher has you guys gathered on the sideline, having come out of the locker room at the start of the second half, and he's giving this impassioned speech about how the game is 60 minutes long, and 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 you know we've only played 30 minutes of this game, and and look over there, those guys are celebrating, they're acting like they won this game already, and there's only one guy in the camera shot who actually looks over to the other side. Yeah, that's and, right. <laughs> and he was. Uh, he was uh you know but but that's you know as, as great a player as frank was too you know he he could always he, he I, you know he he could he could always sort of just be frank you know he was never you know and i think delaney very much had that quality too as as big a star as delaney was and, and john you referenced it he was an important part of that locker room at a at a time when when there was not a lot to be happy about or to be excited about, but you never ever doubted that uh, that Delaney wanted to be there and wanted to wanted to play and wanted to play well and uh, and and good luck uh, good luck to him. You know, it's actually it's actually been since it was almost three years to the day since he played his last game that he announced his retirement and uh you know he tried to come back for a while but the the ankle injury he he sustained in in week one of 2018 actually just never 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 came back from that the way the way he wanted to and uh and, and you know here here we are but uh but but a great career by by any uh by any standard i i would say um you you reference we get we, we have to say this denard you referenced the music city miracle uh mayor john cooper nashville mayor john cooper announced this week that uh that he and the titans have agreed on how to proceed in terms of getting a new stadium built it uh it'll be a dome stadium uh if all goes well it'll open for the start of uh 2026 um, if that's the case, it, it you know more than likely the uh, the Music City Miracle, the Frank Wycheck lateral to Kevin Dyson. I, I mean, I I'll be hard pressed to imagine that there will be a more famous, more impactful play that will that will take place in these final years of of Nissan Stadium. Uh, Denard, I'll start with you. Are you going to be sad to see Nissan Stadium go, or and and how big a deal? is a new stadium for uh, for players when you get in there cuz you were here in 1999 when that place opened yeah. and it and it seemed like it gave you guys a lift didn't it I christened it yeah I christened the stadium I'm I'm a part of history you know <laughs> that's something that I brag about you know when it opened in 1999 and the first team to play in it was the Tennessee Titans versus the Atlanta Falcons and that was preseason and that was a, a great game. And I can remember Jeff Fisher just coming out and he said, guys, we got to win this game. If we want these people to kind of take us in, if we want this crowd, if we, if we want to be a part of this uh, the city of Nashville, we have to come out and win this game. But, you know, David and John, there's a thing called time and there's a, a situation we always refer to as change. And I think a new stadium will galvanize this organization. I think it makes sense to move forward with a new stadium because if you look at teams like Buffalo, who's been in, what's the name of their stadium called? It's called uh, Highmark Stadium. They've been in there nearly 50 years, nearly 50 years in the same stadium. And in 2026, Buffalo is moving into a new stadium, a brand new venue in Buffalo, New York. Can you imagine the Buffalo Bills with a new stadium? And we're starting to see more and more of that. I mean, if you look in Las Vegas, you go out to Arizona. And the, the great thing about stadiums today 
is it can bring in so much more than just football. It can bring in other revenues from, I know, uh, Tennessee, big and mute the music industry. You talk about here in Dallas, we have a lot of boxing matches at Cowboy Stadium. People were like that in Dallas when they tore down um, Irving Stadium, Cowboys, the old Cowboy Stadium. Stadium. I mean, people were crying and going up there, riding. They had Jerry Jones's neck. And I tell you what, when he built Jerry's world, everything was forgiven. Now, he ain't won no Super Bowl since building Jerry's world. But I tell you what, they love the new stadium because it, it brings so much more in. And I think that's the, the greatest asset about this new stadium is it's going to bring so much revenue to Nashville. And, and just not in the game of football, but you talk about I mean, hockey events, you're talking about music. I mean, this is going to be great for the city of Nashville. John, a $2.1 billion price tag is is the working number right now. uh, Is your sense that this is is going to be money well spent as well? I I get that sense, yeah, you know, and and you wrote a good story about it the other day on on our site. You know, there there are so many, you know, well, I'll say this. You know, we, we've certainly only heard so far kind of the, the one side of, right. of things, you know, the Titans uh, and, and Mayor John Cooper, who were the ones who came to the agreement saying, hey, this is a great situation. You know, uh, you know, it's going to save everybody money. It's going to bring in this, uh, that and the and the other. Um, you know, it's going to turn this place not only into a stadium, there's going to be parkland uh, around it. It's going to be tremendous. And, and it certainly does appear that there's going to be some some great uh, benefits. There's no doubt. I am eager to kind of hear if there is much of an opposition to it, you know, whether that's city council or, or sports authority and what their reasoning uh, is in that regard. But, you know, there's certainly the, the, the better part of me says, this is a great thing, you know, as, as Denard referenced, you know, you're going to be able to bring in your final fours, uh, you know, all, all kinds of, you know, whether it's a college football championship those kind of things, you know, all of a sudden will, will be coming to town. But kind of the old school part of me, too, you know, the whole dome turf thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just, you know, do old school. Old. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 probably so. But, you know, especially like right now when we look at the Titans and the identity that they have, you know, they're, they're a Mike Vrabel team. They're, you know, rough and tumble, round, run the ball, ground and pound. Is any play? Is there a team like that on turf uh, out there? I, I don't know. I, I wish they had found a way to either have a retractable dome at least, or or you know, where some of the teams are, are bringing in you know grass fields, even though it's an indoor field. Apparently, the, neither of those are options for this stadium. But uh, so that that hurts my old school heart. But but it's hard to uh, you know hard to look away at all the all the benefits that this will uh, you know likely bring. Yeah, I, I I found it fascinating. You know, the the reason that the the Titans are in Tennessee to begin with is, you know, Bud Adams wanted a a new stadium in uh, in Houston. Couldn't work with the local government there. It, it just was a it was a terrible relationship with the mayor and things all around. And and uh, and you know, here we are, however many years later, you know, thirty years later, effectively. 
uh, almost that, uh, that the, the franchise is here and so embedded in this community that you have this this willingness of of state and local government seemingly to to work with this team and get this project done and and the team not just there with its handout you know they're the 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 lease deal is going to be such that the the team will be responsible for all the upkeep and maintenance and everything on the stadium going forward, which has not been the case with Nissan stadium that, you know, I, I, I just, I just wonder up there in the, in the next world, you know, what, uh, what Bud Adams must be thinking, looking, uh, looking down at, at, at how smoothly all this seems to be going in, 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 you know, comparison to what it was that, that he went through so many years ago, but uh but that'll be uh, that'll be exciting to watch in the coming years. Uh, but we will be back a week from now with uh, with another edition of the Believe in Titans podcast, brought to you by Bet Online for uh, for Denard Walker, for John Glenn, and I am David Beauclair. We thank you for listening. As always, have a good week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.